Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Sarah Jacobs. And I'm Alan Murabayashi. Let me start this, Sarah. Ready? Yeah. Space. The final frontier. Dun, 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 dun. We're talking about space <laughs> photography. <laughs> yeah. Space photography. <laughs> I, I chose this topic and I, I detected a little trepidation from you talking about space photography. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The first thing that came to mind was Ariana Grande's NASA. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need space. I'm going to need space. I'm not talking about that kind of space. Okay. (laughs) Unless she's talking about that kind of space. Unclear what she's talking about. Unclear. I like the ambiguity. Yeah. Anyways, yes. A little bit. I don't know much about this topic. Well, I will start by saying that whenever something interesting goes on with Hubble or Mars or some probe landing on a comet, people go nuts. Like in the news, in the media, you just see these space photos. Um, And I've always been intrigued. My dad had a telescope when we were growing up, and I loved watching Star Trek. And I think there's something about space in general and and sci-fi that captures people's imagination because there's so much of the great unknown, and your your imagination can go any direction. And space photography helps us kind of visualize that, and in some ways, makes sense of it. Mm-hmm. And I go back to, uh, there's a photo from the Apollo 8 mission called Earthrise. And it was the first time, so the guys are standing on the moon, and it's the first time that we saw the Earth coming up in the same way that the, the sun would come up or the moon would come up. Earthrise. Pretty incredible. Yeah. And so in the 60s, we had this image all of a sudden, and it, and it just, it was incredible. Today, because of digital photography and because all, all of these techniques that we can do in Photoshop to composite and layer and reduce noise and the telescopes and the tracking stuff. It's all so affordable if you really want to get into it. And there was an image on Petapixel that a group of amateur astronomers took of these galaxies. And I I know we both looked at it, but I'm going to look at it again. Yeah. Pull it up. Uh, It is (laughs) your reaction to it. It's a 204 megapixel photo. Two hundred and four um, with one thousand sixty hours of exposure time collected wow. together of the large Magell- Magellan Magellanic cloud. Magellanic, wow! Of the large Ma- Magellanic <laughs> cloud, <laughs> and I know that they do stuff with enhancing the colors and whatnot, mm. but it is breathtaking. It is. That was taken over how many hours? 1,060 hours. That's a long exposure. Yeah. And so there are services out there where you can rent a space in a shed. So the shed has a retractable roof. The roof comes out and they're in, you know, like the desert. In this case, it was in Chile. Cool. uh, In high altitude. The roof retracts and everybody's telescopes are set up and robotically controlled. Mm. So you can say, I want to point in this direction and I want it to track the skies. And then they collect all of this data together and then they create this incredible composite image. Wow. And when I saw it, I just, I just couldn't believe how (laughs) amazing it was and that these amateurs from Earth, you know, it's not like they're sitting in the Hubble right. uh, or they're sitting on the International Space Station. They're doing it from Earth and they're not even at the telescope. Right. It's sort of mind-blowing to me. That is a huge shift. I read one of your uh, Photo Shelter blog posts um, about those early photos taken up 
yeah. on the moon. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize that, oh, they had Leicas and Hasselblads with them. Like, that's so fascinating to me. I know. That's really cool. Like, Hasselblad, like you wrote, was apparently um, creating special technology just for NASA. Like, how badass is that? That's really really cool. And then the other thing about all the the moon photos is they left the cameras on the moon. Wait. Oh, they did? Yeah, because they didn't want any additional weight when they're they're going up, right? So they have a little um, lunar lander there. um, And remember that they're picking up moon rocks to take back. Uh-huh. Right, so they're putting uh-huh. several hundred pounds of moon rocks on the vehicle, and they're trying to ditch everything else that they didn't need so that they can go back up in space. Wow! So, so how did they how did they take the fi- so they took the film out? Take the film out, and they leave the bodies on wow. the moon. So they're probably I so, mean they're probably still there. Yeah, I would. I mean, they probably I would hope they probably so. don't work, but. That's so funny. Isn't there's just Hasselblads chilling up on the moon. <laughs> yeah. There's the man on the moon, and then there's just some Hasselblads up yeah, there. Yeah, so if you want to get a free camera, just take a trip to the moon. <laughs> Elon Musk, go pick those up. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. This, uh, this book, so because taxpayer money goes to fund NASA, all the images that are taken by the astronauts and by other scientific experiments are in the public domain. Right. We, the people, own the photos. Which is so cool. Which is so cool. Yes. So you can use them, you can post them without fear of, of any repercussions. Totally. The the German uh, publisher Taschen created, I got to show you this on camera. This is the NASA archive. This is a big I know book. if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see this, but if you watch this on IGTV, you'll be able to see this huge book, and it is thick. Yep. How many pages is that? Man... I don't even know. I'm going to say <laughs> probably like 400. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot it's just, of pictures. It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. printed really nicely. Yeah. yeah um, like you were saying, all the photos are in the public domain, which is amazing. And I am very impressed with NASA's uh, .gov website. It's actually very easy to navigate totally. and to search. Everything is categorized. Super well, keyworded well. You can find weird audio taken from the moon. That's cool. NASA learned from the Apollo missions, and actually going back to the Mercury missions, the value of photography Mm. and bridging the gap of science being this kind of like nerdy thing, pocket protector guys back in the 50s and 60s, to saying, look at what we're trying to explore. This is why why you invest in NASA. This is why you invest in science because we can show you, that, you know, in part some of the fruits of our labor. Mm-hmm. Um, up on the International Space Station, our buddy astronaut Don Pettit um, yeah, yeah. took some amazing photos where he was doing ten to fifteen minute time lapses, and he got these really incredible, like light streaky photos that some other people, because it was in the public domain, they took those and they made movies out of them yeah so if you go up on vimeo you can see these incredible time-lapse photos from the international space station and he rigged up some gizmo thing out of spare parts and used his nikon camera and took these amazing images and like he's not a trained photographer he's a he's a chemist who has an interest in photography yeah 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 he spoke at um photo shelters event luminance in what was that a long time ago 2014 great event Great. It was super great. <laughs> Sorry you guys missed it. No, but I, I remember him being a real nice guy. Yeah, he's a total nerd. I still, I'm still in touch with him today. Oh, nice. Like, Come down to Houston. I'll take you to the NASA. <gasps> oh, I need to take him up I on know, that. I know. I know. I must really do cool. that. <laughs> um, 
we also got these incredible photos. So we've we've launched, NASA has launched a bunch of probes to Mars. So there's a bunch of rovers that were taking selfies on Mars and beaming them back. Wow. And again, when you think of God. That's just incredible. And sort of is, like very of the moment to be taking snapping selfies and everybody knows yes. what the selfie is. No, exactly. <laughs> like, wow, we've taken selfies into space. That's just yeah. whew. It's a reach. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Hubble telescope. And the Hubble telescope, um, which has exceeded its lifespan by many, many years, um, has a bunch of different sensing equipment on it. Uh, in addition to the the optical telescope, there's an X-ray telescope and all this other stuff. But one of the um, images that it shot in 1995 is called the Pillars of Creation. and Dramatic. So dramatic. And it was one of the first images, again, like speaking to NASA's awareness of the value of photography. They took this photo of the pillars of creation and they put it out there into the public. And I, I think it might have ended up maybe on the cover of Nat Geo. I'm not oh. exactly positive. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just one of these photos you see and you just can't believe that, that it exists out there in the universe. It's just really mind-blowing. Well, we have to talk about the black hole image. Oh. <laughs> Let's which, talk about the black hole image. Yes, which came out more recently. Um, yeah. I don't know much about the development of it. I think you can speak to that better. So, you know, Einstein came up with this theory called the general theory of relativity. Oh, we're going way back. We're okay. going way back. Okay, uh, tucking myself in for a lesson. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that is predicted by the Einstein's theory is the presence of black holes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we've heard so much about black holes when we grow up that now it's just commonplace. But now think back into, you know, the early 20th century where the guy's coming up with this idea that these things are so massive that even light can't escape from them. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that we've never been able to to visualize or image it. You know, we've had like movies and stuff, but they're always kind of based on physics, but not actual gathering of data. I see. And so a project was created where they took, I think it was six different uh, astronomical observation stations around the world to use them in a way to combine them into one big into one big telescope. And they collected petabytes of data. Petabytes. Petabytes. What are those? Tons. So there's the megabyte. Right. There's the gigabyte. Right. There's the terabyte. And then there's the petabyte. Got it. So it's a thousand times more than the terabyte. It's a lot of data. And they gathered petabytes of data. Okay. And then an imaging team led by Dr. Katie Bowman, who is a 29-year-old postdoc PhD, who started this work as, a, I believe, when she was an undergrad at MIT, um, started crunching the data. And I think it took them two years. You know, they, they, had, uh, they had an idea of what it might look like if it was imaged correctly. And then they had the algorithm that chewed through all the data and then gave them the output. Mm. And the expectation matched the output. And then, of course, they had to double check all the math and whatnot. But so now we have an image. It's not an optical photo. It's built, it's a computational image, but it is what a black hole looks like. Wow. Wow. Which is nuts. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Nuts. Yeah. Um, and so the interest in space photography goes all the way now. You know, there's a Chinese phone maker who's come over under some U.S. government scrutiny called Huawei. And Huawei has a phone that has a moon mode 
feature on it. Does and that turn? Moon, is that a face filter that turns my face yeah, into a moon? Into a moon. <laughs> no, what is that? The moon mode has come under some controversy because they say uh, using AI, if I'm remember, remembering correctly, using AI, they can make your moon photos look better. So now remember the moon is, mm. a, is a distant object. It's something like 238,000 miles away on average from the Earth. And when you hold up your cell phone... It doesn't, it's usually blown out. It just looks like a, a ball of light yeah. on your cell phone. And yeah. they have a moon mode, which is supposed to make it look more like the moon that you see in the photos. Oh, fascinating. But some people started to say, is this really being created um, through what I'm capturing through my camera? Or is your AI actually combining photos of the moon with my photo to say this Whoa. is the photo of the moon. Whoa. And because they haven't revealed their, their algorithm, creepy. nobody really knows. Well, that's a little creepy. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But that's is. how popular um, astrophotography has become, that that there are modes. There's like a Milky Way mode and a moon mode being built into devices nowadays because people are so enamored with space photos. Awesome. And there you go. Check out nasa.gov if you want to get some of these uh, NASA photos for free. And Yeah, make them your background on your computer. It extends all the way back into the 40s and 50s up until the present. Yeah. Um, and there's stuff coming from Jupiter in real time. And there's a whole community of photo nerds that are processing the raw data from these uh, these images that are getting beamed back and then adding color and whatnot to them. So it's really, really fascinating time in history um, and in astrophotography. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.